Hello. It's uh, August 19th, 2020, in case you didn't know. It is a uh, good evening. Just went for a nice little walk around the neighborhood. Uh, if any of you live in the area, feel free to say hello. Um, I was, uh, I'm, I'm the guy that looks like me that's out for a walk. Uh, busy week on my end. Uh, Simontoval video's out. The Brett Berard video will be public tomorrow. Uh, if you're a McKean subscriber, you can watch it now. Or if you're a patron, you can watch it now. Uh, two more are shot and edited with uh, effects to go in over the next two days. So if you're a patron, you'll have access to both by the end of the week. Uh, there are some good ones. Um, you can tell that I haven't struck down my set behind me because I'm lazy. Um, but yeah, it's been a big week. Busy, busy, busy. A um, lot of tracking. I think I have a runway now of like the end of the tunnel. You know, at, at some point I'm going to have to stop, uh, do a final ranking video, and then strap in for the live stream. Um, don't know how that's going to go, but we're going to give it a try. Uh, but yeah, it's been a fun week. I'm trying to fit in as much tracking as I can. Uh, it's looking like the runway for, for the videos until the end of September is pretty much set. Uh, so unfortunately there's not going to be anyone outside of the list and Kyle yes Tristan Robbins is on that list so he will be getting one because I'd be remiss if I didn't um so yes he will happen I don't know when probably not for a little while but it will happen within the next six weeks I will promise you that uh still gonna do you know if you want a byfield one that one's coming soon too uh Lafreniere will probably be the last one um but we'll see how things work out. I always build a tracking schedule and then completely throw it in the trash within about 15 minutes. Um, anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we're getting to the end of the tunnel because I'm getting kind of stressed out tracking the same guys so long. But we're almost at three full rounds of decent data, which is pretty fun. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I am going to show you, before we get into the questions, uh, this fun little tool that I built. So this is just the data that I've tracked um, so far. Uh, I'm trying to find a way to make this available for patrons that's, like, usable, uh, which I have not been able to figure out. Um, but what I have done is a fun little comparison tool. So you are able to compare two players. We'll say Alexi Lafreniere and Quinton Byfield. Because that's the one everyone's interested in, right? Especially you Rangers fans. Uh, so what you can do, yeah, you got their data up here. Boom, fetches it all, fetches it all. But what's really neat that I had fun doing is it'll do a comparison down here. So this is the percentage difference between the multiple categories that I track. Uh, so you'll see the differences between Lafreniere and Byfield in various categories. These two guys have a big enough sample that I'm pretty comfortable with the differences, at least the trends, and based on what I'm seeing, it makes sense-ish. Um, and then here, it'll also highlight in which categories which player has the advantage. How about that? That's pretty neat. Um, oh, let me just slim that down a little. So, yeah, that's that's pretty fun. I've enjoyed building that. With all of the VLOOKUP formulas, it's a lot. Uh, anyway, uh, and then the other one is over here, which is just uh, fetching the ranks of the player. 
So you're looking at maybe uh, Alexi Lafreniere, but bam, there's all of his ranks. So completing passes is not a forte of Lafreniere's game, uh, but who cares considering how much he's doing uh, outside of that. Uh, but anyway, that just was something that I wanted to show you. And if you're a patron, I am still trying to figure out, it's probably not going to be until next season, still trying to figure out how to build this into a tool that people can use. Um, something similar to the profiler tool that I have, which, yeah. Um, if you haven't seen yet, uh, just basically fetches the tra non-tracked data, so the results data that I've got uh, for, for guys that, that are on my sheet. So just sort of pulling some percentile ranks of those guys. But we're not here to talk about my own my own stuff. Let's get to some questions because I feel like there's a decent audience in here now. So welcome, everybody. Hello. All right. Uh, thoughts on the Pens keeping their pick, pick this year and giving up their 2021 first? Uh, I am never a fan of giving up a first-round pick over a year in advance. Um, but, yeah. Uh I'm curious about what's going to happen there. I think the Pe I would never count out the Penguins to at least be a playoff team next year. Uh, and at 15th or whatever it is this year, I think they'll get a solid player. Um, and I just don't really see a situation where Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby are not a playoff team next year. But you know, that's the risk, right? Because it's basically like they got to make the playoffs in order to make it worth it. But also, like, they have the tangible asset now, and you may as well just take it and 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 cross your fingers. Personally, I probably would have handed over the pick now, personally, but I understand the logic in both sides. It's 15th overall or whatever, so it's not one way or the other, like, it's a fine... That, that'll probably be a useful piece for the Penguins, uh, and I just wouldn't expect them to be at the bottom end of the... at the bottom end of the draft next year. And if they are, then that's a big problem, but I just don't know if I see that, at least not yet. Contenders, maybe not. I, I don't think they're playing like it anymore, um, especially considering teams like Colorado and... Um, even Philadelphia in the playoffs this year has looked really, really good. Uh, I'm trying to think of others off the top of my head, but I can't because my brain is slow and it's kind of late. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think that with Pittsburgh's situation, I think you could go either way. I think their decision should be fine long-term, but again, I'm still kind of wary about always giving up a picket more than a year in advance because weird things happen all the time. Um, but with the 15th overall pick and it's the Pittsburgh and being the Pittsburgh Penguins, I don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, get off my lawn says, hope I'm doing well and staying safe. I am. I'm doing what I can still at home, hunkered down, doing the thing. It's a good time. Uh, hope you're all well as well. Uh, Kyle, give us Tristan Robbins. He's coming. Don't worry. Uh, yes, my audio is now fixed. Would love to hear your thoughts on Lukas Svikovsky. Yeah, that's a guy that I've wanted to take a look at. Uh, I've seen him play a little bit. Tons of skill. The data on him is really, really good. Um, he's a fun player to watch, and I think he's flying under the radar quite a bit. Uh, but I, I still would like to track him. I just haven't. Um, so maybe that's something that I do last minute uh, because he is a curious player that I do want to take a look at. But I love his shot. He's got a really, really quick shot. Really good skill to to load that shot shot up as well. Uh, and, and the results data that he's got is really good. So I think that as like a swing 
in the mid rounds just to swing on on his on the on the offensive potential he's shown i i could easily be can you know i could easily do that um i i think he's undervalued relative to sort of regular old rankings that are out there but i think uh i think there's good potential but i don't have any super deep data on the guy but what i do have is is somewhat decent uh do sell me lucas raymond over cole perfetti for the sends at number five uh yeah so i have raymond ranked higher the thing about raymond is that the i think cole perfetti will be a guy that scores more points in his career i think you know i I think that he's so crafty and elusive and hard on pucks with the puck on his own stick he's just hard to knock off pucks um and and he and he can thread passes all over the ice constantly and he drives so many transitions really well that you know the only real knock on him is his skating but i also think with lucas raymond what you're getting is a guy who might not score as much but i think will just be a better 200 foot player i i think that what you're getting is a better in my view true hockey player and I mean, what I mean by that is like Lucas Raymond is doing a lot of those little things really, really well. And I think that right now his game projects to an NHL roster much clearer than someone like Perfetti. And I mean, I'm splitting hairs a little bit because it's so high in the draft because you need to. Um, but I think with Lucas Raymond, his first few steps are great. I really, really like how he's able to to get moving around the ice really, really quickly pinch up high in the defensive end, you know, close out shooting lanes and passing lanes, adapt to changes really quickly with his feet. Um, and, and, and his, and his game in transition is really solid, but he's in terms of dangerous shot against dangerous shot attempts against, he's one of the lowest, uh, if not the lowest, and he was playing against men. So we can pull up his data here. Uh, and I'm not cagey about this one because, uh, because it's Lucas Raymond. Um, so yeah, not passing the puck a tremendous amount, but you've got a guy who's near the bottom of my tracking list in total dangerous shot attempts against. I think that's the bottom. Um, but near the top in dangerous shot attempts does go, we know you're capable of scoring points. And in my tracking work, I saw a couple of opportunities where he just barely missed out on a few points. So the way I see Lucas Raymond is uh an interesting project to mold and work with over the next year or two to basically say all right like we think you can be a real offensive solid player your results are excellent considering you're playing against men uh and i think it and i think that if you're looking at him versus perfetti you know you see the skating and explosivity that that raymond has and the aggressiveness at both ends of the ice the willingness to chip in everywhere and I think there's more of a complete game to like. And if it's me and it's the Ottawa Senators at five, if it's not Raymond, Perfetti would maybe be my guy, but I still have Rossi over both of them. I, I just think Rossi could be a spectacular hockey player. Uh, you know, just so, so much fun. You know, just such a solid, rock-solid hockey player. Whereas Lucas Raymond, I think, is going to be a guy who... People might look back on and say, oh, well, he's a 50, 60 point guy. So where was the high scoring junior player that everyone saw last year? But when you look at his analytics or like, you know, his hockey viz page or whatever you want to call it, 
I think it'll look a lot better than just looking at his point totals. Whereas Cole Perfetti is more of a cowboy. Like there's a lot of dangerous chances against when he's on the ice, but he over he overcompensates offensively. So you kind of give and you take, but I think it adds up to be pretty positive. Um, so I, I dig both players, but I lean Raymond there if Rossi's gone. But if I'm the Senators, I, you're, it's going to be really interesting, especially at five, to see who Detroit takes it for. Because if the rumors are true and it's Perfetti, then Raymond might be the guy. But if you have, say, Byfield at three, which seems to be what might happen... Five might not be the end of the world if if someone like Rossi is available there. And if you have Byfield Rossi coming out of the first top five picks, you know, Raymond could be a good player, you know, in terms of the analytics and such. But but I still feel, though, that that would be a heck of a haul for the Ottawa Senators to work with, with that kind of flexibility. But Raymond is going to be a pretty solid two-way hockey player in my view. Um, but if, if the Sens pick the guy that I would not choose to take first, I totally understand why. Perfetti is certainly not a bad hockey player whatsoever. Uh, Tyler, if I'm looking at offensive upside only, who should I be looking at after Byfield and Lafreniere? Just looking for raw offense, I would probably go with Rossi. Perfetti or Stutzla would probably be right behind them there. Uh, but I think Rossi has the transition ability and the quick rush offense, plus the playmaking, especially sort of deep in the offensive zone that I really, really like to watch. Um, Perfetti, I think, is going to be a bit of a slower pace type player, which might hold him back from really translating. Like, I feel like Perfetti could be a guy who scores a ton in junior and still scores well in the NHL, but not top scorer on your team type levels because of sort of the the natural way that he plays the game and he might get shut down against faster opponents. But someone like Rossi, I think, overcomes a lot of those issues. Uh, He's really slippery. You know, his skating isn't necessarily the best of the draft, but it's good enough and his transitions are ridiculously good uh, that I think that he's going to get himself into plenty of offensive opportunities. But uh, the other one I would that I mentioned would have been um, Stutzla because he's just an electrifying, skilled offensive winger that I think could just score a ton of points. Um, But I think there's issues with his game. But if you're looking at just raw upside, you know, if it's third overall and you had to pick one guy for his offense, I probably would go with Rossi. Because if you pair him with fast, skilled scoring wingers, that by virtue of just doing that, I think will will inflate Rossi's scoring totals. Plus he can score the the goals on his own as, as well. But, uh score the goals um but yeah Rossi probably would be my guy at three but Perfetti and Stutzla especially would not be far behind there at all uh how would you have handled Kadri last summer if you were the Leafs oh god well it's so funny like to me you know like Kadri last year you you get suspended in the playoffs once it never happens, but if you get suspended once in the playoffs, like it or hate it, you got suspended in the playoffs and your team lost the series without you. Okay, hope you learned your lesson. The second time around, like, I don't know. I could have seen a situation where Nazem Kadri gets traded, but I also, like, I remember thinking, okay, like, he might get traded because you can't, if you 
it's just such a ridiculous thing to have happen that I don't know what even to think. But personally, I the trade that they got for him, I think people are flaming it way too much. Leaf fans were screaming for a right-hand shot defenseman for years. And the conventional wisdom, both from Colorado and Toronto, and most people around the league, was that Tyson Berry, not ideal, but as an offensive right-handed defenseman, he would be another weapon to add to the Leafs. And the fact that they added Alexander Kerfoot on top is just a bonus to me. And Tyson Berry got off on the wrong foot. Wrong, 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 wrong foot. And I don't know if he ever recovered, but at the same time, there were I, I there were times watching him play hockey where I'm going, how did this guy score so many friggin' points with the Colorado Avalanche for so long? And, you know, I don't know, but people are looking back at that trade and really kicking themselves in the butt again in the playoffs this year the toronto maple leafs problem was not their defense they weren't scoring goals they weren't scoring goals couple of goals maybe frederick anderson would want back but the problem was that their offense was not scoring i think alexander kerfoot is a perfectly fine third line center personally I think he was doing perfectly fine. Just just hold the line and and push offensively. Kasperi Kapanen, I I don't you look at him playing and you go, you're 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 that close to being really awesome, but he just doesn't have that instinct of attack. It's it's speed without attacking with Kasperi Kapanen. And I think that that deflates what Kerfoot is doing for that team when he's on the ice. Like, there's not a lot of production because Kerfoot's not the primary speed puck carrier player. So, but that, and that's Kapanen often, you know, I, I, and, I, and Kapanen doesn't really do much in terms of offensive attacking. He'll, he'll enter the offensive zone, stop, and totally defuse any pressure. The Leafs' p- pure rush offense was almost non-existent it's like they were actively avoiding rush offense you know by entering the offensive zone stopping setting up and looking for a passing play that gets the puck to the front of the net you know like it felt like that's what they were doing far more often than just rush offense take your shot and capitalize on any chances you get after that and you know this is the playoffs so i i I look at the tyson berry kerfoot for for basically Nazem Kadri trade and go, it's great that the Avalanche have Nazem Kadri. Uh, if the Leafs are sour about it, cry about it. I'm sorry, but that trade was a good trade at the time. Most people were on board. Tyson Berry was exactly, to many people, what Toronto Maple Leafs fans were screaming about. They went out and also got Cody Ceci, who, not a great player, but a right-handed defenseman who, his analytics were not horrible, but you cannot deny that he's not a player you would sign long-term. I, the way I see it, and I don't want to yell about it forever, but the way that I see it is you asked how I would handle it. You have to listen to the phone calls. And if a phone call comes in last summer from Colorado saying, we'll retain half of Tyson Berry so you get to pay him $2.5 million next year and you get Alexander Kerfoot, 
I look at that and I go, yes, that's, that's something I will do. And if Mike Babcock is not the coach of the team at the beginning of the year, who knows if something is different with Tyson Berry. Maybe he just spent four months on a team that clearly didn't seem to find a fit for him. I can't, I don't know what that does to your head, but he really seemed to struggle with finding a role on that team that made sense. But, you know, and I don't know if there's another player in the league who burned more money, but I would not be surprised to see him get a show me deal somewhere for a couple of seasons and, and do well. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you pick up the phone last summer and you get an offer of half of Tyson Berry's salary with Tyson Berry and Alexander Kerfoot for uh, Nazem Kadri, when his perceived value was pretty freaking low. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, yeah. Uh, that's a deal that you probably take. Uh, and, and imagine if Kadri had not been traded and got suspended again in the playoffs this year or took a major penalty like what Kotkin Yemi took tonight and it cost the Leafs the series. You know, because he was a problem in terms of seeing that what they say is red mist. Just seeing that, that just blind rage. And it seems like the Leafs can't get away with that stuff. I don't know. Um, all right, where are we here? Hey, Will, what do you think about Calfoot and Scott Perunovic? I really like Perunovic. He's skilled and shifty and, and great offensively. Um, I want to see him in the AHL before I really jump to conclusions. Calfoot, I thought he was drafted too high, but he's a perfectly fine defenseman. Um, but I, I don't really know exactly what he's going to turn into. I can't say I've seen a tremendous amount of him recently, but I think... I thought he was picked a little bit early, um, but cautiously optimistic moving into the future. But I, I can't say I've seen a ton of him recently. I've seen more of Perunovic, and he's he's tons of fun. Greg Sawchuk. Hello, Greg. Welcome to uh, welcome to the show. Uh, you're a new patron. Yes, thank you. How soon does Evan Bouchard make the team and take over first power play in Edmonton? I wouldn't rush him. Uh, he's a guy who might need another AHL season. I mean, it depends on who Edmonton brings in. He had a good season in the in the AHL, in my view. I know some people don't like him at all and, and will refuse to like him. I am not one of those people. I've been a big fan of Evan Bouchard for quite a while. I know people who, you know, I know I've said that defensemen who shoot a lot are kind of sketchy to me, but I think that Bouchard's skating and puck control and, and, and ability to push transitions and all that stuff adds up to a much better, better um, package of talent than just looking at his shot totals and going, well, he shoots too much. I, I think there's more to him than that. Um, I think another year in the AHL to at least say, all right, prove it to us that you're like ready for the NHL. You know, maybe you give him a cup of coffee in the NHL this year, but I certainly would not rush him. He's not the type of defenseman that you rush, you know? So I think first power play quarterback in Edmonton, I, I don't know yet. I maybe... I think that's a role that could be his down the road, but not immediately. And I think that one more season, or at least starting the year in the American League, depending on what's happening with the with the with the Oilers, um, in the in in who they with who they bring in to play defense, I will see. I, I but I again, this is a guy that I don't think you rush. Um. 
but I also didn't see a tremendous amount of the AHL. I saw a little bit, but not a ton. Uh, and I saw Bouchard play a little bit. You know, he looks like a good AHL defender, but for a top 10 pick, you need him to be really, really good, especially if you're going to hand him the keys to the first power play with guys like Connor McDavid on the ice. Uh, you think that Sanderson can drop out of the top 10? I think Sanderson's a lock to go top 10. I, I wouldn't do it, but never, ever underestimate NHL teams looking at defensemen and and seeing one go off the board and go, oh crap, we need a defenseman. You know? Like, if the game plan is to go in and come out with a defenseman or a center, and the first picks off the board are guys like Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla, hell, if someone jumps off the board and takes a Lundell in the top five and it's Perfetti at four, Drysdale goes six or something. Someone's going to panic, I think, and go, we're taking the, we're taking Sanderson. And I just, I don't see a world where four or five teams pass on the other defensemen that people are putting in their top 15 at least. So, you know, and, and the top 10 of the draft is always not what the rankings say it will be. The top 15 isn't even what the rankings say it'll be. Uh, every team has a different philosophy. It seems every team has different lists going into the draft. Different teams think different hockey players bring different value. And I just don't see a world where they go in and come out with one defenseman drafted in the top 10. That never happens. So I, I just, I don't see it. Not that I think that he should be a top 10 pick, but I, you know, it's, it's probably going to happen. Uh, honest opinion about Dawson Mercer, Kyle. I, uh, I dig, I dig Dawson Mercer. I think he's a good, really good finisher, uh, really good player in transition, but he, in the defensive end, I, I just don't think there's much there. I think he's much more of an offensive leaning guy. I don't think he's going to work out as a center. I think as an offensive leaning winger, um, you know, with, with really, really good finishing ability, uh, I think that could be perfectly logical. You know, I mean, he's doing an okay job in a few different categories, like near the top in terms of offensive transitions with control. Um, a lot of his transitions as a percentage are, are offensive. Um, quick from blue line to blue line, but his defense, it, it shows with sort of, there's a bit of a lack of offense as well with him in terms of driving dangerous chances offensively, but you know, his dangerous passing is solid. There was one game I tracked that was really off the deep end in terms of, of setting plays up and constantly playing, just trying to make plays in the offensive end. Uh, but yeah, I, I Dawson Mercer is a guy that I wouldn't be pounding the table about super early. Um, but you know, in the, in the, in the 15 to 20 range, you know, if your expectation is like maybe a top six second line offensive guy, you know, I have him at 16, I think that's perfectly reasonable. And if he somehow slips past, then then I would be thinking about it a lot more. But I also think that since he played at the World Juniors and all that stuff, he's he's on his way to being drafted higher than I probably would take him. But he's got great finishing skill. He's really exciting when he's in his wheelhouse. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens with him, but not a guy that's that I think has long-term projectability as like a real two-way play driver, but like an offensive guy for sure. Uh, could you talk a little bit about offensive catalyst percentage and how it relates to involvement percentage? Curious how discrepancies like Jarvis or inversely Foodie make sense. So yeah, uh, 
just for review in case any of you don't know involvement percentage is just which is this it's just a player's points per game divided by the team's goals per game so it's just a general indicator of on average how many goals is this what percentage of goals are scored where this player gets a point so it could be a goal and an assist a secondary assist whatever what kind of situ you know how often is this player involved in their team's offense and 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 how impactful is it um whereas offensive catalyst percentage is the percentage difference not the raw difference the percentage difference between the even strength goals for percentage um the even strength goals for sorry it's even it's the the percentage difference between even strength goals for per 60 when the player's on the ice relative to when they're off the ice so if someone's on the ice for say three even strength goals for per 60 minutes which is about average maybe a bit below average if if without that player on the ice that team is scoring half that rate then their offensive catalyst percentage is plus 100 percent. so it's 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 more of a team metric and just sort of the impact of the player being on the ice on the team's offense so it's it's and it's a bit misleading because if your team is really really good it's not it's not going to be a very positive number but if you look at their scoring rates and it's really high then then that's a, that's another thing so yeah that's the that's the primary difference and you mentioned jarvis so and foodie so if we compare the two so jarvis obviously is you know just absolutely lights out in terms of offensive play he's actually a positive defensive player as well but in terms of his involvement i mean even strength involvement is is removing obviously special teams goals and and only even strength and that's ridiculous as well being over 30 35 percent even strength involvement is whack and nearly 40 percent involvement is rare to say the least it, it there's usually like one guy per year who who hits that target and there's a few this year and al- almost five even strength goals four per 60 is insane um so with foodie you're seeing a team that you know so he's under 20 he's just under 20 percent worse relative to the team without him on the ice in terms of scoring goals when he's on the ice that's not ideal and his involvement percentage is really really low and when you take it at even strength only it's a bit lower but this one i think there's a lot more context here um i i think jean-luc foodie has a very specific brand of play and i think seth jarvis has a more easily projectable style of play that's really more refined but i will also say that that with foodie I didn't see the line mates that really knew how to contribute and work with him offensively. Like he was playing with Curtis Douglas a lot, uh, Will Cooley, you know, just guys that aren't really finesse guys that can really keep up with a high octane skater like Foodie. And I'm pretty convinced that if Foodie is, say, transplanted to the 67s to replace Marco Rossi, then things might be a bit different next year for him. Um, but I look at I look at Seth Jarvis and see pretty regular old offensive scoring winger with tremendous offensive instincts both shooting and passing and i think that's where a lot of his a lot of his production came from and it was there all year i think he just regressed back to his average and then and then some like i think he was operating sort of below what he should have been doing and then just 
blew the doors off at the end of the year and and completely over overcame the difference um and i think that his his again the impact for him long term at both ends of the ice i still kind of question it but i certainly think he's going to be a player and a pretty solid offensive one at the very least um so yeah i'm curious to see what happens with jarvis but with foodie i mean there's more context than just this and there are things that foodie does that are that no one else in the draft does like him so yeah though those those kind that that's kind of why looking at just points in production can be a little bit misleading sometimes but foodie's a pretty rare case of of this type of a of a profile uh his brother actually was another example of like a net negative catalyst player not a tremendous amount of, of production, but then eventually put it all together. And he looks like a real, real solid hockey player. Uh, important question. Is Robbins genuinely a first round talent? The answer is yes. I don't, I don't agree personally. I mid second. Sure. Maybe even early second, but not no thoughts on Bogdan Triniev. I don't think he has good work ethic from what I've seen. Well, I don't know about work ethic. Uh, I don't usually like to throw that word around. Um, but I don't know his your his intensity level is not super high. I'm not really big on 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 Bogdan Triniev. Um, you know I've seen him and Zelodiev play quite a bit, and both of them are kind of just like guys to me. I I don't see a tremendous amount out of either of them. Um, I I I don't I don't mind him, but I also need to take a closer look at him. I've seen him play a few times. I've seen him play against teams. I'm tracking a couple of times. You know, good on his edges. He's big. He's got some skill, but I I don't know. Not a guy that's extremely high on my list. I don't even know if I have him ranked. Um, Zlodiev, I think I have ranked, but I think Triniev. Yeah, I don't have Triniev ranked. Uh, just not a guy that I'm jumping over the moon to draft. Uh, how has Oliver Tarnstrom looked? I don't know much about him. Well, Tarnstrom would be a long-term project. Like you. I'll pull up his data. He's not getting a video. Um, there he is. So let's just pull him up here. So Oliver Tarnstrom, there we go. Let's get that there. Uh, I think Oliver Tarnstrom, like, okay, I'll bring this up. So let's do a little case study. On one hand, you've got Oliver Tarnstrom, and on the other, you've got, say, Yaromir Pitlick. They're both about the same size. Yaramir Pitlick is a year older almost than Tarnstrom. I think Tarnstrom's birthday is like August 30th or something. Pitlick is like September, almost a year away, like within two weeks or three weeks. Um, And Pitlick is more filled out and plays a bit more of a power game right now and can really fight through pressure really well and all that stuff. And, and, and that's great. And he's playing in the OHL, gets tons of views, whatever. But Tarnstrom, to me, is a player that once he fills out, uh, could be a similar player, but better, in my view. Like, in terms of a defense-first player, I think Tarnstrom's got some good potential. He's responsible defensively. He's not overly physical unless he needs to be, but... I, I find that his defensive instincts are really, really good, especially considering the team he plays on was not good this year at all. Um, you know, I think, you know, he's not going to shoot the lights out, but he's scoring at an okay rate considering his team. 
he's completing a lot of passes, but it's not not very many of them are are real dangerous offensive zone passes. Uh, they usually give that role to other players that he plays with, from what I've seen. But I think that considering that you know he he has a decent amount of offensive transition involvement, but he does them with control a lot. Doesn't pass the puck a tremendous amount. Doesn't get a ton of chances to do so, but completes passes a lot. And I think that his defensive game is pretty solid. I mean, if you're ugh, if you're looking at defensive zone transitions, he's blocking, he's shutting off transitions. What is that? Thirty like sixty seven percent of the time. So two thirds of the time, the other team loses control when he gets involved. And in terms of like he's he's twentieth best in terms of you know like like he's not facing a tremendous amount of those transitions, but he's shutting, certainly shutting down a, a, a ton of them. So I, I value that. And, you know, I think that the, that's a guy that you could draft in the late rounds. Like I know Toronto has seven picks or something in the last two rounds. Tarnstrom would not be a bad bet. And if you're, and if you end up with a solid bottom six center, that's, that's good defensively and plays that sort of, you know, he's a better skater, I think, than someone like Pitlick. I, I think that you could end up with a pretty solid pickup if you're willing to be patient. Um, he's not going to come over and be a lights-out player for a little while, but I, I, I've liked him. I don't I don't think he's anything extremely flashy, um, but he's not flashy in a good way, I think, and just is quietly effective, um, moves pucks with control, offensive transitions with control, shuts down defensive transitions, and I find him to be pretty positionally sound. And considering he skates around the ice pretty well, um, I, I think there's a lot to like with Tarnstrom, but I, I certainly wouldn't really think about it until pretty late in the draft. And I think he'll be available pretty late. But he's a big center, so maybe teams will pick up on him. But I think there could be some time to wait before you pull the trigger. Uh, it's not often a team can draft a number one center, so does Lafreniere's upside outweigh byfields when it comes to accounting for a position of need for the Rangers can Lafreniere drive play from the wing well Lafreniere will certainly be able to drive offense uh from the wing uh I don't think it really makes that much of a difference to me if I'm the Rangers you know like centers you need to have for sure um but Artemi Panarin seemed to carry that team just fine from the wing I mean you've got Sabanajad. Uh, I think Kreider is a center. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. I feel dumb not knowing that. But, um, you know, like Brett Howden, you know, Quinton Byfield might be an upgrade on Brett Howden, but I'm never a fan of drafting on need. And there are some things that Quinton Byfield, in my view, could be better than Lafreniere at. Um, But, you know, with Lafreniere, I think there's absolutely no question that he's going to be a very, very good offensive NHL hockey player. You know, he's just so smart with his offense, his skill, uh, getting himself chances, you know, that shark-like ability to find open ice in the offensive zone and, and create chances. I think he's a really, 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 really solid offensive player. There's some habits that I think he's going to need to bust, but I think David Quinn is going to get him to to sort of bust them. He's a, you know, David Quinn seems to like hardworking physical players, and I think that Lafreniere shows that at times sometimes too much, but he certainly can do it. And I think that when you combine that with his offensive ability, I think he's a great fit for the Rangers. And Byfield, I really feel like Byfield with the Rangers would not be as good of a fit. You know, to me, the Kings would be a good fit for Byfield. If they pass on him, then whatever. 
And if it's the Senators that get Byfield, then I don't know what they're going to do with him because they seem to really like Brady Kachuk playing the way that he plays and all that. And if and to me, Quentin Byfield is not a big center that's mean to the opponent and gets under their skin and you know screws with them. That's not his game. And I feel like if you try to make him to make him be that, I don't think he's going to respond well. You know, Lafreniere I think will respond well to that kind of a game, at least more so than Byfield. Um, so if I'm the Rangers, I think it's pretty clear cut. You can pick him up and drop him right into your roster and he's a big boost right now. And if you need to move a body for a center, maybe you can move a defenseman. Maybe you can move a winger. I don't know, but you know, maybe you pick one up pretty cheap in the, in the, in the, in the free agency this year. I don't know. Um, but I think you pick Lafreniere and worry about your problems at center down the road. Because uh, I think that Lafreniere more than makes up for it in terms of his offensive ability and just, uh, in my view, how good of a fit he's going to be there. Mikey. Anton Lindell is commonly hailed for his defensive play. I feel like that his Liga production has not been acknowledged. Do you think he's better offensively than he's given credit for? Um, I I don't know. I think he's a fine offensive player. I, I, I think that concerns about his offense are kind of overstated. Um, but I don't think he's going to be... like. The fact that the name that keeps popping into my head is Miko Koivu, you know, like really solid defensive guy, might have 60, 65 points in a really good year, but a 50-point guy year in, year out, who's a great two-way metric player, I think that that could be perfectly reasonable for Lundell. I think he's got a lot of potential in terms of his two-way game. Um, You know, I'm a big fan of him. I think that the concerns are a little bit overstated. Moving pucks for him is a bit of an issue, though. Like, it, the offensive zone and putting the puck in the net and, and setting plays up, that's not really something that I found was a tremendous issue with him. But the actual just transition passing, connecting on those sort of more simpler, straightforward passes through the neutral zone, those are things that I think need to come a ways. Um, and I think that another year in the Liga will help. But yeah, I, I think that he's going to be a solid two-way guy. I don't think he's defense first at all. Um, and especially if his sort of skating stride can get a little bit smoother and more efficient, I think that there could be more that comes from there. But in terms of a trailing forward that participates in offense here and there and plays a little bit more conservatively, that's perfectly reasonable. But when he really drives to the net, he's got enough skill to put the puck in the net, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Um so I, I wouldn't be too concerned about his offense long-term, but I think there are other guys in that range that might end up scoring more points in their careers. But he's going to be a valuable... He, I think he's going to be a valuable player. Like, we're watching playoff hockey right now. I think he's going to be a good playoff hockey guy, um, even if he's not scoring a tremendous amount in the in the regular season in terms of, like, his relative to the other guys in the top 10 this year. Would Holloway be a good pick around 21? Yes. Uh which players do you think would be a good fit for the canes whoever's the most fun uh the canes drafting someone like a william wallander would be hilarious i don't know if they would do it as early as they've uh got um i think they have the 13th pick this year i don't have my i don't have my lottery sheet anymore i just destroyed it um for carolina i mean if we're looking at 13th overall uh actually i should probably just pull this up uh entry draft board there we are carolina filter team carolina so yeah you're looking at 13 41 54 
you know, in at 41, if they end up with Yoni Yermo, and I could see it because they've they've got the Yoni Yermo pick, or sorry, they've got the uh, Anthony Honka pick over there with Yip Yaveskala as well, where Yoni Yermo played today and scored a goal. Um, so there's a connection there. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a swing on the defenseman that can really go, and he should be available at 41, I think. 13th overall, uh, you know, pick a fun player. I mean, I don't I don't know who's going to be available there, but assuming it is the top 12 guys on my list gone, let's just say. Um, so everyone gone is, the, well, I mean, Murat Kuznodinov will be available, and, and I just can't stop yelling about him um i doubt seth jarvis is available like rodion amirov like carolina can afford to be patient as well rodion amirov would be a good pick there it's a bit high i think relative to average but he's a really good player couple more years in russia and i think that the carolina hurricanes after they might have to get rid of some bodies up front because they have such a log jam now you know they can't pay everyone i don't think um but amirov i think could really do some damage and I think that would be an interesting pick. Askarov. I mean, if you can... Like, the thing about the Carolina Hurricanes now is that they can afford to take some risks at that pick. Like, that pick is free money. They bought it, basically. So if you can get your franchise goalie... I mean, you look at that goal today. Peter Morazic led in on, on Patrice Bergeron. I know that's just a goal and whatever, but... Boy, had that not gone in, that would have been a nice one to have back. And if Askarov is a franchise goalie, which he could be, and they use that pick that they basically bought to pick him, that's some pretty good math for me, especially for a team with a really good pipeline on defense, a really good pipeline up front, and not a heck of a lot in net. Outside of um, Kochetkov, who was good this year. But yeah, I, I look at them and say, that could be a team that goes for Askarov. I also look at them and say Amirov could be good if you if you're patient. Uh maybe a Maverick Bork could be in there if you want more of a typical pick, but I think that they like to go with some fun and maybe someone slips as well from the from the top end. I mean if 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 Anton Lundell is available, I think he could be a nice little change of 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 style for the Carolina Hurricanes that gives them something that they don't I mean they have Jordan Stahl and that could be a nice little mentorship to have um on that team. They have good options, though, and they can pick basically whoever they want. If they use that pick to pick Murat Kuznodinov, because he's, in my view, really good, and they don't really care because it's 13th overall, I'll have a good laugh. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. But someone like Amirov, Askarov, maybe a Maverick Bork if he's available, Lundell if he slips, those would be options that could be good. Like, it could be a good pickup for them, for sure. It should be. It's 13th overall. Uh, but guys like Yermo in the second round would make sense to me. Um, you know, other guys that might be available in the second round. Uh, maybe a Yarventy. They went with Puistola last year, so there's, again, that connection. And Puistola seems to be doing okay. Uh, yeah. Always look for connections with their teams that they've drafted from recent years, I would say. Uh, no, no, no. Tony. Crap, he's here again. Uh, what... Has your opinion of Quinn improved recently, or do you still think he's overrated by some? I think Quinn is a bit overrated in, sen- in the sense of, like, top 10, top 15. I just think that the skill and skating is not where it could be in terms of, like, if if Jack Quinn were born in 
like early 2002, like March, April, 2002, I'd feel a lot more comfortable uh, with him in like the top 15 at the very least. Like there's some stuff that he does that is simply ridiculous. Uh, I don't think I'll get to him in terms of doing a video, but like his offensive threat metric is over 30. And I'm pretty sure that like Jarvis is over 30. I think Thomas Bordalo is over 30, but I look at Jack Quinn, his shot differentials are not great. His dangerous shot attempt differentials are not great. Um, the offense that it doesn't seem to make up for it, but I think some of that is also up to his line mates. Like he's throwing pucks into dangerous areas at five on five a lot. Like that's, that's a lot. And there was the game that I tracked today. I think he had like eight or nine of those pass attempts in a game, which is insanely high. I don't think I've ever had a guy cross 10, but he came really close. And I think three of them were in the first five minutes of the game. So he comes in bursts and, um, you know, but I think his defensive game is, is, is under the, is, is, is sort of below average. I would say, I think it's good, but not like otherworldly good, but you're drafting him for his offense. I, I look at the offensive game and I like it once you're in the offensive zone, but you know, driving, driving transitions up the ice. I don't see a tremendous amount of it, at least in terms of like projectability. I think he's a bit clunky on his feet. His skating is a little bit, like I just said, clunky, but his skill kind of misses the mark a little bit. Um, like, and I, I'm just looking at the, at the top end of the draft. I'm looking for two way play drivers that, that really chip in and push the game at, at both ends positively. And the results for Quinn in terms of offense are solid in some respects, but the defense isn't quite there. The transition game is hit or miss to me. Um, the defense in transition as well, kind of hit or miss. I have him at 21, I think now. Uh, let me double check that. Yeah, I've got him at 21. If you, you could, you could get me after 15 to think about it, but you know, like as 20 approaches is when I would start to really think about it. If he's available in the twenties, then yeah, I'm pounding the, the table trying to get him, but he kind of strikes me as a guy that might have some trouble translating personally. You know, he, he does a lot of things really well in the offensive end, um, in terms of getting pucks and just heaving them in front of the net. But I don't know. I don't know what that's worth in terms of if you're picking him, say top 10, top 15, um, but my view is that I've come around on him a little bit, um, but the age, the skating, the skill, the the defense, it all kind of is hit or miss, I would say, personally. Uh, is anyone else seeing the video freeze? For, nope, not me. I'm on this end. Will Rodion Amirov be available in the late teens? Maybe. He shouldn't be, but he might be. A guesstimate of the odds that Rossi falls to eight. I'd be surprised to see him slip past New Jersey. Um, that seems like a team that might go for him. Uh, I think it's slim that he falls to eight, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I I don't think it's going to happen, but if it does, I, I wouldn't be surprised because he's small and not Canadian. That's my hunch. What's the problem with Dylan Peterson? 
He looks fast, talented, big, and when I see him ranked in the third or fourth round, but I would class him as a beginning of the second round. Yeah. Most of it is like, why is he not scoring? Um, with Dylan Peterson, I think he's, he's, I think that he's really solid. You know, if he's a guy that you pick in the second round, I can absolutely see why. But I think he's going to need a few years in college to develop. I don't think he's um, necessarily, I, I don't want to use the word smart, but I don't think he's the most creative player offensively. I think he takes too long to make a read and make a play in the offensive end. Really, really good player on the rush. Generates a lot of speed for a big guy. Has some good skill as well. Can really dance around. But it looks like a player that skates with his head down a lot. I don't know if he literally does that. But he just seems to get horse blinders a lot. And has a lack of awareness of what's going on around the ice. And causes a lot of turnovers doing that. Um, I, I, I do think that the potential for him... It's something that you can bet on long-term and just say he's a big guy who can skate and has some good skill, drives a lot of transitions, but just can't put it together in the offensive end. Maybe that's something that you can work on over time. And he has been able to put points up at lower levels in prior years. But I still think sort of like a third or fourth round flyer might be good for him. But if a team were to take a swing on him in the second round and just say, screw it, let's go for it, then maybe, then I would see it. But, but personally third fourth round especially depending on who might be slipping and who might be available i i might consider it around then um because i think as a big center who can skate i think he'll get a lot of chances to to play a lot uh thoughts on luke tuck oh uh speaking of players who plays with horse blinders uh luke tuck is a pretty straightforward player to me good in a straight line hits hard plays hard but shoots from nowhere all the time. Um, not a threatening offensive player in my view. Once in a blue moon, you'll see something that he does that's pretty impressive, but I think his game is too simple right now, and I don't know how you make it better. I don't really like his defensive play either. I mentioned Thomas Bortolo, and I've been tracking him this week, and so I'm seeing a lot of Luke Tuck because they play together. I'm seeing that a lot of the things that are that were kind of leading me to question Thomas Bortolo, yeah, some of it was him, but Luke Tuck is not really doing himself any favors, finishing Bortolo's plays, participating defensively. I just don't really see it. I mean, if you want a big guy who can skate hard and, and hit, then that's a good player to pick up. Like, if the Bruins just wanted to get him, he could be a guy that the Bruins turn into a fourth line, just Sean Corrali, just go out and get him type player but I think people who think that the Bruins are just a go out and hit hard type team are kind of missing the point like they've got some skill in their depth you know they've got some talent at least in terms of puck handling and and getting pucks back and controlling possession I think they do a pretty decent job I don't really see that out of Tuck but maybe they try to develop that um yeah Kyle mentioned positioning for Peterson I think that it's also his play with the puck. Just he doesn't really go anywhere with it. Um, but yeah, just the the think category for Peterson is just not a very high level. Um, and that can really cause a lot of shortcomings. Ooh, we got a Russian in the room. Hello, Russian Balabal. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoy my content. Uh, please send me um, Marat Kusnadinov hype gear, please. We got a note about Kadri here. 
He was going to be behind Matthews and JT, getting back to a third-line center to replace Naz in what was supposed to be a top-four right-handed. Yeah, okay. Uh, yes, basically what I mentioned. Uh, your thoughts on Cade McNelly? No idea who that is. I'll have to check that out. Uh, Ty Smith, what do you hope he ends up being, and what do you be safe? <laughs> okay, so if I'm betting $5,000, I think Ty Smith could be a solid middle-pair defenseman. Offensive middle-pair guy. You know, we just were talking about Tyson Berry. Maybe something along those lines. I could see it. But I think Ty Smith has better two-way ability. I think his skating is better than Tyson Berry, personally. Um, but I feel safe betting five grand that he could be a solid, that he should be a solid middle pair guy. I think that it's potentially possible that he could be a really, really good top four. You know, power play guy, um... You know, maybe not top pair every night on a championship winning team, but but a top four guy on a really good team definitely could see that. Um, but yeah, I, I like Ty Smith. I want to see him play against men. I haven't seen a tremendous amount of him this year, but I felt like he was just too good for the WHL last year. So this year he just... The CHL transfer agreement is so silly because I think he's a player that should have been in the AHL this year, personally. Um, but who knows if it'll have an effect on his on his projectability. But I, I like him, always have. Thought he was a great pickup for the Devils. Top four guy, I feel pretty safe betting a bunch of money on that, whether the team is a championship or not, uh, championship caliber or not. But on a really, really, really good Devils team, I could see him being on that second pair. Maybe paired with a guy like Kevin Ball, I could see... You know, because I've come around a bit on Kevin Ball in terms of, like, what he is. And I think that as, like, a number four that's just out there to to cover for Ty Smith, I could see it. Also, how about them Habs? Holy, holy cannoli. Uh, talk about coming back from a from a downer. Um, do you put any stock in Lafreniere being older than this draft class? Like, compared to 2019, would he go number one? I think he probably would go number one last year at the very worst number two um i think i think that that's pretty straightforward being older i do value it especially considering the guy at number two for me is a year away um you know i I, a year sorry a year younger almost i think that's something that's very very important to keep in mind if it's like three months i don't usually think about that difference a ton but if it's like six months to a year that does factor in. Um, so it does factor, and it's why I'm looking at Quentin Byfield and everyone's sort of poking fun at him a little bit, and I'm going, I, I don't see the issue here. He's young. He's probably going to need some time to figure it out, but he has all the potential to get there. Nick Suzuki, had a boy. Um, but yeah, for Lafreniere last year, at the very worst would be number two. Probably number one as well, last year as well. Nick Mattioli, Hello. If tomatoes are fruits, is ketchup a smoothie? I mean, I guess. Although, like, you buy ketchup off the off the rack. There's barely any tomato in it anyway. Um, ketchup would be a really bad smoothie, I guess. That that I hadn't thought of that. But I feel like do you, do people usually add sugar and stuff to the, and like vinegar? to their smoothies already because like if that's a smoothie then any sauce would be a smoothie there's no ice in ketchup 
and I feel like ice is a key ingredient in a smoothie. So I'm going to say no. Ketchup, ketchup is a sauce, and sauces are not smoothies. That's, that's my view. I convinced myself that the answer was not what I originally said. Um, I guess I can't argue with numbers, but from what I've watched, Mercer looks like a strong 200-foot player. You know, it's the, the, the thing about Mercer is that when he gets his feet moving and going, then yes, he has the potential to do that kind of stuff. Um, I, I look at, uh, where is it here? We'll pull, we'll pull this up. Like, you don't, you don't want to be given up almost 30 dangerous shot attempts against. That's not great. Um, his dangerous shot attempt percentage is pretty bad. This is also like most of the games I track are against good teams as well, but his defensive transition numbers are solid, but he's never involved in those transitions anyway. Like he's near the bottom. Um, offensively he's involved in quite a few and he maintains control on a lot so that's positive but in terms of like he has no in my tracking so far zero dangerous shots from the high danger areas but a lot of them are medium danger 70 percent of his total attempts are medium danger so i just don't know mercer is a big question mark to me and 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 that kind of spooks me in the high ends of the draft and i look at his defensive results against good a good QMJHL teams and his low defensive involvement in terms of transitions. And I go, this is a guy who takes the foot off the gas pedal a lot, but when his foot is on the gas pedal, he really goes. Um, so he's going to be a guy that you might take it and leave it for a while, but all the potential in the world to be a good player. Um, but yeah, just a, just a weird one to me. So I'll be curious to see what happens with him and, and what his projector, what his trajectory might be. Cause he is a very, very skilled and solid goal scorer and finisher. Um, do you have prospect rankings of drafted players? I am not going down that road, Drake. Uh, that is just too much to think about. I have guys that I like on multiple different programs and that's it. Um, I think a lot comes down to the teams that are developing these players and how and what their role that they envision are i but but yeah ranking them i think it fluctuates far too much to even think about um ranking one draft on its own is hard enough to me outside of the dominant chicago steel and daniel gustin the ushl seems weak this year do you see that and are there any ushl guys that you feel could make a real difference in the nhl and ncaa time oh um cameron berg is a guy that i've liked um, let me just filter for USHL guys that I've ranked. Uh, yeah. I mean, Wyatt Kaiser is a guy who's interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Mitchell Miller. I know he's on a lot of teams do not draft lists. Uh, but definitely interested in, uh, in Cameron Berg with Muskegon. Alex Gaffney as well could be a nice late round swing. Five foot seven or eight center but i really really like his work ethic as he's young I, I think he's a solid hockey player um i also really like ty jackson dubuque he's a guy who's just barely ineligible for last year's draft i think he's a good player i think he's a lot of fun to watch tons of skill and his data is really really good in terms of involved in involvement in scoring i find that he's a real solid offensive player um and maybe some time in the ncaa could be really really good for him I think that that could be an interesting pickup totally off the board, but late in the draft, I could see it. I could be convinced. 
Carson Bantle is another one who I've found kind of interesting. Um, Ryan Kirwin, his line mate, is another one, but I don't know if there's enough there. But Carson Bantle is a nice package of skill with his hands, you know, and size. So who knows? He might be a decent possession puck protector guy down the road, um, but also might just be the only good player on a really bad team. Uh, Colby Ambrosio is another guy who's kind of caught my attention a bit, but not a tremendous amount. Artem Schlain plays for Muskegon as well, but went to Shattuck. I like Artem Schlain a lot. I thought he came a long way this year in his game. Um, so I'm a fan of him. Uh, but again, not a super high upside type player in my view, but I thought he looked really good in the USHL. Um, so it's not all bad. And I know that there are people out there who really like other guys in the USHL. Um, I'm trying to like Christoph Pop comes to mind. I don't really see it. Um, but yeah. Hey, Will, which player has been the most disappointing to you as the season's gone on or the player that's dropped the most on your ranking since the beginning of the season? Uh, well, I just did, 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 let's see. So since November, which is when I've had some solid time to do some, uh, some rankings. Um, let's see. So yeah, Jeremy Poirier, Lucas Cormier. Those are two ones that popped into my head right away. Uh, who's this? Jake Neighbors, kind of, sort of. Ty Smolanich, but he was hurt a lot, so I can't really fault him a ton. Um, Ryan Francis has slowed down a lot over the year, but I still like him, just not as like a potential top 62 pick. And Antonio Stranges, I just don't, I don't buy the hype. I did when I saw him play last year a little bit, but this year I just don't, I don't see it. Um... But if I had to pick one that really has just disappointed me personally, like Jeremy Poirier, I think, is probably right there. I just... His defense got worse somehow over the year. His team doesn't seem to have very much awareness of, of how to play defense. I just don't know. He's he's Whoever drafts him, God bless you. Like That's going to be a project and a half. Um, and you only got like two years to do it. He shoots a lot when there's no real reason to shoot. You know, just a guy who the more I track, the more I'm going, I can, you just be good. Just, just bleh. And then, you know, he's dumping pucks a lot. He's, he, there's just so much that I'm just, I don't see. Um, so he's been dropping down my rankings pretty consistently right now. He's at, uh, where is he here? He's at 36. But even that, to me, just thinking about it, is pretty high. You know, like, would I take Caden Gooley over him, though? I don't know, maybe. But I don't, I don't know. But definitely, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely soured on him the more I saw. Uh, two questions. Who would your wager, who would you wager has the better NHL outcome between Pod Colson and Amirov? Based on your tracking of defense and passing, is there anyone currently listed at wing you think would be better at center? Okay, so first question, I'll answer. Um, in terms of scoring points, I think Amirov has more in the tank. But Podkolzin is certainly not far behind. He just doesn't score his points in the same type of way. He does it more through hard work, whereas there's a lot more finesse and skill to, to Amirov. And I think Amirov's skating is more is cleaner and more effective. 
efficient, I should say. But Podkolzin is a just bull in a china shop 60 minutes a night. And whatever he gets out of that, I have no idea. Um, it, I have no clue. But I think he's going to be a, a wrecking ball. I think he has a better defensive game than Amirov. I think Amirov is underrated at both ends of the ice. I think his transition game is good, if a little bit predictable. Like, Pod Colson is very much a, a sort of more of a straight line guy. Amirov likes to weave around the ice a little bit more and, and utilize the middle out routes or the or the or the boards inward routes. I I I like Amirov a lot, um, but I can see why you might want Pod Colson ahead of him. Considering how deep this draft class is, my view is that I think I would probably reluctantly take Amirov ahead of Pod Colson, but they're probably very closely ranked to one another for sure. Um, but there are two different players who generate similar tie types of results in different ways. Um, but but I just like the natural sort of finesse, creativity, you know, transition ability that that Amirov has. But Pod Colson's work ethic and and aggressiveness and just sheer willpower is is almost overwhelming. Um, the second part of your question, you know, it's. It's hard because playing, like I, like I look at Jan Mishak, who's listed as a left winger, and I think over time he could become a center. Same for Ozzy Wiesblatt. Um, I think Daniil Guschin even might might make an interesting center. I think as a positional guy, he's really really solid defensively. Um, needs to keep his feet moving a bit more, but you know he's certainly not a guy that parks high in the D zone and and waits for offense to come to him. Um, but those are the names that popped into my head immediately. And, you know, I don't really see it with someone like Jack Quinn. You know, but but Meshack, I could see. He played a lot of center with Hamilton and did not look out of place there and only, to me, got better. Uh, Wiesblad, I've seen play center as well, and I think he could play there long-term as well if he, if things go well. Really, really good skater for Wiesblad. And I think that if he fills out a bit, he could be an interesting interesting center. Uh, if you're a bad team like the Red Wings, uh, would you take the chance at offer sheeting Barzal if it means multiple first round picks? The salary would have to be pretty high to scare New Jersey away. No, uh, I don't, I don't trade four first round picks if I'm a rebuilding team. Um, no matter who the Red Wings pick at four, I don't think they're NHL ready. It's unlikely. Like if it's Perfetti, I think he still needs another year. So you're going to be terrible next year, probably. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't think they'll be as bad, but I certainly don't think moving four really solid prospects for Barzell and his whatever $10, $12 million cap hit that might cost you, I don't think that that would be something that you really want to do. Obviously, adding Barzell would be a huge boost to the Red Wings, but I also feel like the the Islanders with Lou Lamarillo there would just match whatever you offered him. I, I just don't... I think it for him... Like, look at how much money he was willing to spend on Patrick Marlowe just to get him to come to Toronto. Look at how much money he was willing to spend on Leo Komarov just to get him to come to the Islanders. Matt Martin. He wanted Matt Martin again. Like, Leo... Lou Lamarillo is not afraid of spending money. And if it's Matt Barzal, who is unequivocally, to me, one of the best players, if not the best player, on the on the Islanders, you're not losing that player. Doesn't matter. I think Lou Lamarillo couldn't care less about about picks or prospects or whatever. Um, that's a nice looking face that Brandon Gallagher's got going on here. Um, but yeah, no, I I look at 
I look at that and go, yeah, no, I'm matching that offer sheet. I don't care if it's for League Max, it's happening. Um, of Quinn, Jarvis, Gundler, and Amirov, who's the better fit in Edmonton? Specifically Edmonton, I mean, I think it would be Jarvis. I think Jarvis playing with like someone like Connor McDavid would be hilarious. I, I, I don't think the Edmonton Oilers are a team that would have someone like Amirov or Gundler particularly high. I think they usually will default to North America. I know they took Broberg last year, um, but someone like Jarvis, maybe Quinn as well. If I had to order it, I would probably think Jarvis, Quinn, Gunler, Amirov. And I doubt I put a Gunler and Amirov like low. I don't think it's likely. Um, I, I think you look at Quinn or Jarvis and go, yeah, these guys could still, these guys could be good players. And you know, fit in pretty much anywhere in our offense. Um, I think that that would be a fine, fine two guys to, to pick and choose from of whoever's available. Uh, do you know of any defensemen successfully converting to forward because of offensive upside and poor defense? I'm thinking about Poirier. Um, maybe. I know I've heard that idea with Poirier. It could happen. I don't know. Th- successful defenseman cover converting to forward. Mark Pissick is playing wing and seems to be doing okay. I know Brent Burns had moments where he was a forward and played okay. I think that's what he started as. Same thing for oh, this game's over. Uh, same thing for um. I know Buff 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 Bufflin switched around as well. I don't know. Uh, it's. I mean, I would like to see it more often. Because if you're playing defense and you're a really good puck rusher, then sure, like that, you could be a good winger. I don't know. There was I saw Anton Johannesson playing the wing a couple of times for his team, which to me also makes sense. Um, but I think that was only on um, like power plays. Like they they put like the way they deployed them was was with basically a one three one, and and he was playing forward basically and not really doing much back checking so to me that basically is forward but that doesn't really count poirier maybe but boy that's a fundamental shift of his game and i don't maybe i'm just not the biggest fan of poirier period i think his skating is kind of overrated he's his decision making is poor he's his his shot selection is also not great like, I'm looking at my ranking of him and thinking I still wouldn't think about it at that position. And I get the feeling he's a player that could slip quite a bit. He's just, and the defense is just terrible. Him and Vilnov together is just awful. Um, so, I don't know. I, If you want, sure. If that's your prerogative to try to turn him into a forward, then by all means, go nuts. But I think there's a lot of other guys that I would probably swing on before him. What's your opinion on Lafreniere's skating? As a, as a Rangers fan, I'm hyped about him, but it's a little disappointing when people criticize his skating when Kako's already called slow. Who's the better skater between the two? Well, uh, Lafreniere, I mean, in terms of skating period, I think you go with Kako, but Lafreniere overcomes it so overwhelmingly with his skill and intelligence and, and just impossibility to beat. You just... You just can't beat him. Um, he's he's just an absolute beast. And, you know, not everyone needs to be skating at 160,000 miles an hour. You don't need to. 
to be successful. To me, I, I, it would be nice. But with Lafreniere, like as long as you can overcome the issues, like someone like a Perfetti, I don't really mind. And I think he's going to fit in just fine with the Rangers. He gets moving pretty well, but he doesn't. He coasts a lot, but he's coasting at high speed. He's a powerful skater rather than a quick one to me. And I do have reservations about Lafreniere. I think, like I mentioned, he has some bad habits. I think that that comes from being just the best player in that league for multiple seasons. And he's just kind of playing around at this point. But there might be a bit of an adjustment period, but I think he's going to have no problem being a very good NHL hockey player, especially offensively. Um, And with Kako, I don't know what happened to him, but he certainly did not look like the player that he was last year to me. Uh, how do you see the Ranger center situation working out? Quite the winger log jam. Do you think one of Lafreniere, Kako, or Kravtsov could be a center? I don't think any of those guys could be a center. But I think you probably find a solution through a trade. You know, I don't know if it's Kravtsov, but maybe you can patch that hole by trading Kreider somewhere. Maybe Buchnevich. You know, he maybe just is finding his way, but Buchnevich doesn't strike me as a guy that David Quinn particularly would would yell about if you threatened to trade him for a center. Um, I, I I think that that's something you look at through a trade. Like if you're suggesting Byfield is your guy first overall just because you need a center, he's. I, I don't think that's a smart move. Um, I think you take Lafreniere and let the problems work themselves out um, and, and maybe look for a trade down the middle or, or look at who might be a free agent. Like I, I don't know what kind of cap space they're going to have, but just taking a look at some free agents that are centers. Um, and you don't usually have to spend a tremendous amount of money. Um, nope, that's all, that's all RFAs. But whatever, we can, we, can, we can just isolate UFAs. You know, oh, there isn't actually, wow, there's not a ton of forwards of centers available. Um, I mean, maybe you can get a Michael Granlin cheap, maybe, and he could be a guy that slots in at center. I don't think he's played a ton of center recently, though. Uh, who else? Oh, yeah. Okay. So maybe it's slim Pickens down the middle. Eric Halla, if he can stay healthy, maybe, you know, take a one year flyer on Miko Koivu perhaps. Um, but that's not great. So maybe a trade. Uh, but I also don't think that, uh, you draft Byfield first overall, just because you need a center. I don't, I don't think that's the right call. I think you buy, I think you get Byfield cause you think he's the best player available. And I think down the road he could be, but I don't think the Rangers are looking for could. I think they want, like, you got to play now. Um, Yuho Markkanen and Charlie DeRoche could be decent seventh-round picks for the Hurricanes. Maybe. I don't know anything about Markkanen. I wouldn't draft DeRoche, but seventh round, sure. Uh, what's your honest opinion of Kyle Cernkovich? I personally think he could be a steal. Uh, also, what website do you use for advanced stats? So pick 224 is for the basic stuff. So all this, even strength goals for, catalyst percentage, all that stuff, that's me. Um, but it's fed from pick 224 data. So Dave is a wizard and helps out a lot with the work that I do. Um, so I hope I give him enough credit for the help that he gives, but it's all sort of derived from his data there. Uh, and then I just manually track everything else myself. Um, Kyle Cernkovich... I don't think the skating is good enough. Uh, he's small, plays small, but he's definitely crafty, definitely creative, fun to watch. Works with Tristan Robbins really well. 
I just don't think it's very projectable. Maybe in a Trey Fix-Wolanski style thing, he goes undrafted, scores 110 points next year, then gets drafted, hits the AHL and is kind of a slow burn. I don't really see it, but in the seventh round, I think you could do worse. I'll say that. Um, I don't mind him, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think that the, you, if you're that small, you got to really motor around the ice a, a real, real good, and you got to really have a lot of skill and really be able to evade pressure or at least manage pressure well. And I don't see a ton of that out of him, but maybe he could get there one day. Maybe. I, I won't count him out, and if it's the late rounds of the draft, there are worse players that will probably get picked. What position do you think the Avalanche will be targeting? I originally thought defense, but with the expansion draft and bottom six forwards entering free agency, I'm thinking they go to a sizable forward. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Don't know what that was. Let's go to Carolina or Colorado's picks. So they've got their first round pick. So that's probably going to be late first round. I wouldn't use it on Torgerson. Um, you know, it would be fun to see the Avalanche go take a flyer on someone like a like a like a William Wallander if he's available that would be fun um they seem to like their defensemen who can skate and and really have some fun with their defense and I think he's right up that alley and he should be available there uh who else um you know the Avalanche don't really seem to like need a lot in their contenders now anyway if Jacob Perot is available he could be a fun one for the Avalanche to pick up and you know, like, their defense is pretty solid already, so maybe Wallander's not the guy. Brendan Brisson might be an interesting one for the for the Avalanche. I'm trying to think of the connections they've had, like, who they've picked in prior years. Kind of drawing a blank right now. I mean, they've got Bowen Byram, but, like, Justin Sordiff plays with Vancouver, and I do not see Sordiff as a first-round pick. They did have some interesting picks last year, though. Guys like Steinberg, completely off the board. Um... They had another weird one, too, that I can't remember off the top of my head. The Avalanche could benefit from guys like Paterka as well. I mean, I don't think they could really screw it up because I think they've got a pretty good pipeline all over the place. But, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting because it's 29 and it depends on who's available. Uh, I lost your question. There it is. Um, I mean, if you want a size a forward that has size and can play... I mean, Paterka can play, and he plays like he's pretty big, so maybe that's type the type of player that you're looking for. Um, but if a guy like Wallander is available there, I mean, I imagine him with the, you know, they can shelter him for a while, be patient with him. I think he's pretty solid. Sorry for all the Rangers questions, so that's okay. How do you compare Lafreniere and Kako? Is Lafreniere very different from Kako? I wish we got Hughes instead of Kako because I feel like we have a lot of similar players. Well, um guy give it time it's been one year i don't know what they were doing with capo caco but it's been a year relax um obviously you wish he got hughes because he was the first overall pick and had a better year than caco did so obviously with with lafreniere and caco i lafreniere is is just a better hockey player um at least in the offensive sense at the very least, probably also defensive, but he's not what I would call a good defensive player. I think that the the the, the intelligence and the slipperiness and the skill and the finishing ability with Lafreniere is more projectable, clearly. But but Kako, I think, has the puck protection, the resiliency under pressure that still hasn't quite come out yet. 
Um, you know, that one-timer on the power play is also useful. Lafreniere has that as well, but I think Lafreniere brings more in terms of a toolkit offensively. Uh, but yeah, d- don't don't worry too much about Kako. They did something to him that really screwed him up. Um, but time will tell how much that affected him and how much this season has changed him, uh, or if it has at all. But he did seem to look a little bit better in the qualifiers this year, so maybe it's not all bad. Um, but it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to have Alexis Lafreniere. Don't be mad. Uh, Nahid, sup? Do you think Dadanov resigns in the NHL or is he a goner? Well, I would t- take Dadanov. I think he's still got quite a lot left in his tank, and I like him a lot. So I would give him a call and see what he's up to. Um, I I don't I hope he's not a goner, but but I think there's a role for him somewhere in the NHL. Um, but that's up to him. I I I would give him a call because I like him. Um, but if he wants like five years, I I don't think I'd do it. But he's a good player still. Uh, thoughts on Artyom Galimov? Uh, yeah, I don't see it. When you're drafting guys that old, you got to really be sure that that's a player that you think you can bring in pretty quickly. Like usually players hit their peak around 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, and then sort of wane very slowly. And then after 30 things kind of drop off a bit. So I look at, I look at Galimov and see, all right, you got a couple of years maybe two more seasons for him to like develop but beyond that you're you're kind of hoping them for something there like i don't see a tremendous amount out of him in terms of projectable ability um but you know i haven't tracked anything i just have seen a few games of his not super blown away but maybe as a mid to late round pick and you just want an older player that you might be able to bring over quicker sure but not a guy super high on my list Hey, Will, seems like a lot of guys on the first round are listed as centers, but have played the majority on their wing. Uh, what do you see as natural centers? Well, natural centers to me, Marat for sure. Maverick Bork could be a pretty solid natural center. Uh, I think Dylan Holloway is a good center when he plays there. Um, You know, Lindell. Perfetti could be there. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to a wing if his skating can't come far enough. Uh, his defensive game is also not great, but I think it's fine, I guess, for an OHL center. I still think, though, that it'll be interesting to see if he's a center or a wing down the road. I think Marco Rossi is, a is a is, to me, a natural center. Quinton Byfield as well. Um, but beyond the top-end guys, I mean, Marat for sure. Uh, yeah, Connor Zari maybe as well, but depends on if his skating can come a few steps. Uh, who else? Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to name everyone, but Marat, Maverick, Dylan Holloway, I would say, are up there. And then the guys at the top that are listed as centers. To me, Rossi, Byfield, um, Lundell, for sure. Do you think Canada should start a USNT or an NTDP program? Why do you think they've had so much success lately? Well, the NTDP has had a lot of success because they have better and better players every year. They're they're actively investing in development and, and getting more people playing hockey in the States and better resources and everything. And USA Hockey has a lot to do with that through that program. So that's how they're doing it. Should Hockey Canada have the same program? I think so. I would I think I think that it's a it's important to put your hockey program's money where their mouth is and say, all right, 
this is exemplifying what we think hockey should be, you know? And I think that the ND, and, and I think that Hockey Canada should think about it. A touring team that, that either goes around the country or every year they rotate leagues or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, I think there's, I think 60 junior teams in, in, in Canada, I think is too many, but at least too many to be at all a universally profitable business. But that's a different discussion. I think that the, I think that Canada, Hockey Canada having an NTDP team would, would be an interesting experiment. Slovakia does it. Belarus does it. Um, who else? Russia did it one year and then they got nailed for, for doping, which is fun. Um, the Czech Republic? No, they don't. Um, but anyway, it's not like it's unheard of. And I think that it's an interesting experiment. Um, I think you could work out the disagreements. I think that the junior teams will learn to live with losing some good players once in a while, or you make it so that hockey Canada gets first dibs. And then those players end up in the, in the entry drafts, wherever they are. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm down for the idea for sure. Uh, Mike, no problem. I won't, I'll, I'll forgive you for being late. Um, can you wax poetic about Max Nevelin? I'm sorry, but I can't. I haven't seen a ton of him to really wax poetic about. And what I have seen is not a tremendous amount. So sorry to disappoint you. Um, but I just don't, I don't really think I see it. Have you watched St. Andrews games? Only like one or two. I know the competition is very weak. Um, most St. Andrews guys have not really gone on to do a whole lot after being drafted. I think Morgan Barron is the only example that I can think of that has bucked that trend. I mean, it's a good school. I, I know the school pretty well. Um, I've been on that campus and they do have pretty good facilities. I, yeah, I don't know. Like you look at guys like Matthew McKim who played there in prior years who I liked and thought maybe there's something there, but since he's gone elsewhere, he just hasn't done a tremendous amount. Um, I don't know. I, I always like to see prep school guys play not in prep basically is what I'm getting at, uh, before I really formulate good opinions. You know, that's why it was hard for me to read guys like Farinacci last year. Um, excuse me. I'm, I got bubbles all over the place in my esophagus. Um, but yeah, it is a school that I do watch a little bit over the course of the year, especially if they're playing prep school teams in the States that I like watching, um, of which there aren't a ton, at least not this year, but it's on my radar. I just don't usually give a ton of weight to it. Do you still think Cider was a reach at six last year? Yes. And how do you view Zegers and Turcotte now as to when they were drafted? Much closer. I was very dumb when it came to Zegris and I probably should have tracked data on him or whatever. And, but I was lazy last year and I'm not anymore. I think Turcotte still is a fine pick at five for sure. I think Wisconsin had a lot of friggin' problems and I think Turcotte suffered because of it. And he just said, screw this. I'm out and left, which I don't blame him. Zegris, I think is an absolute wizard. And I think he's got a lot of potential. And I keep thinking about the Red Wings taking Trevor Zegris and wondering what Red Wings fans would think seeing Trevor Zegris in the World Juniors this year and what he was doing. I would be pretty excited as well. I don't mind more at Cider, but yes, that was a rich pick for me for sure. And I know 
You can look at his point totals in the AHL. I still think, though, that someone like a Zegris is a better long-term bet. Sider could be a solid two-way guy, physical defenseman for sure. I don't mind him, but they passed on a lot of, of talent that I think has solid offensive and potentially defensive impact um, instead of someone like Sider. Maybe that's just me. Uh, should Ottawa pick Sanderson over Drysdale? You could make that argument. I probably wouldn't, but you could make that argument. Uh, which players do you think the Rangers would target with the Rangers late first? Carolina's around 24th. Well, we kind of went over that. I mean, oh, no, we didn't. Sorry, I was thinking about the Avalanche. Um, well, since the Rangers have Lafreniere already, I mean, if it's me, you know, the Rangers seem to like big guys who, who can play kind of hard. Paterka comes to mind. Um, who else? If Holloway's available, I think Holloway could be a good pickup there. If Amirov is slipping, I think you could buy on Amirov and wait. Holloway might be the guy that I think realistically might be there. I think he could slip a little bit because of his age and how not so good he was, at least in the first half against uh, with Wisconsin. Other than that, maybe Connor Zari could be a good, you know, ranger. I, I think that there could be potential there for him. Um... I mean, if you want to just go for full fun mode, Perot would be an interesting pickup. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll say that. Um, but but I would look for I would look for Holloway, and if he's not available, maybe Azari, maybe a Paterka, something up there. I don't know. Though th- those would be the guys that I would think about, especially if I want someone that'll fit with the Rangers and what it seems like they want out of their players. Um. I don't know who Ben Clymer is. I I feel dumb, but I don't remember that player. Uh, f- oh yeah, Frank Vetrano. I forgot that he was a guy that converted. Um, oh, oh boy, one nothing Vancouver. Let's rock and roll here. Um, is Laf- is Lafreniere good enough to justify trading three and five for one? I don't think so. Uh, just go back a few years and look at guys in the top five. Would you take two of those? We'll do that right now. Uh, what else do we have? Okay, so we'll do that last. We'll circle back and do these questions, and then I'm going to call it a night. What do you think of Joseph Gareffa? I adore him. Austin Keating, not, no, not as much. You can't draft them because they're overagers, so they're not draft eligible. Um, Gareffa's on an AHL deal with San Jose next year. You know, you could sign him to an entry-level deal. I'm surprised he still hasn't gotten one. I'm a huge fan of Joseph Gareffa. Keating, not so much, but yes. Uh, On Gareffa. Overagers that I like... Is your second question? I mean, Oksentiuk is in my ranking. Baumgartner is in there as well. I really like Yegor Struchkov. I think that this guy could be a lot of fun. Really small, but really good on his feet. Hyper agile. You know, really good defensive player as well. Just an absolute menace. Just constantly buzzing around the ice all the time. Fighting through pressure. I mean, this guy, I think, is a really, really good play facilitator. Pick 217 in the draft and no one knows who to take. I put my hand up and say, I'll take the kid that's like, he's a couple of weeks younger than, than, or sorry, a couple of weeks older than Rodion Amirov. Put up comparable numbers in the MHL, played in the VHL with Amirov for a few games, put up comparable numbers. He's been playing with the KHL team in preseason a bit this year. I think he's a good player. And I think there's a lot to like about him. 
No one's really even noticing him very much. Um, but, you know, I, I obviously would not use a super high pick on him, but I've liked him quite a lot. Uh, I'll just show you my track data. Let me see. Um, oh, right. Yeah, so driving great dangerous offense, suppressing tremendous defense. Just unbelievable. Like 10 dangerous shot attempts against. I don't know where that ranks him, but let's take a look. Um, yeah, so the 88th most out of, I think, 93, that's pretty nuts. Not driving a ton of offense, but in terms of defense, he's he's doing a ton. Passes the puck a lot, completes passes pretty solidly. Uh, where is that? Yeah, 75% is fine. 14, 14th in terms of pass attempts per 60 minutes. And considering this includes defensemen as well, that's pretty solid. You know, like his pass attempts per 60 minutes is 87 and I think this is four games, which is pretty good. And beyond that, I mean, controls offensive transitions, solid defensive suppressor. You know, this is just a guy that late in the draft for his motor alone, I, I think does a, does a really, really good job of, of, of getting the job done. A quarter of his shot attempts are dangerous or high danger, but not getting a ton of those chances. You know, you, you might be able to make something out of this guy in terms of like a depth energy guy that just plays hard, but I think there's some nice talent there as well. Um, other overagers that I've liked, um, Ty, ja- Ty Jackson is in there. Samuel, ha- yeah, Samuel Johannesson, at least offensively, is a lot of fun. I really like Anton Lukachov with the uh, local mode of Yaroslavl's minor team. He's one that I'm curious about. Um, but again, like that would be like 217th overall. Give me, give me a chance to pick him. But I, I, I saw the KHL game that he played, and he looked pretty good there as well. Um, after your tracking of Martin Kromiak, has your opinion changed on him? Yes. You'll find out why. But yes. Um, okay, so is Lafreniere good enough to justify trading 3 and 5? Okay. Let's see. Um, let's, let's just, before we go for the evening, oh, tie game, not a boy, Braden Shen. Uh, drafts. Okay, so we'll just do the last five years. You know what? Let's not, because 2019 guys haven't really developed. We'll go 2017, 16, 15, 14, 13. All right, that sounds okay. So, you have the first overall pick in 2017. You get the chance to trade Nico Heischer, basically, and in return, you get the chance to get, let's say, two of Miro Haskin and Kale McCarr and Elias Pettersson. Yeah, I make that trade every single day of the week if I'm holding first overall, um, for sure. But Nico Heischer is a good player as well, and I love Elias Pettersson a lot. But yes, you could probably make that trade. Um, and I think Ottawa would be insane to to offer it. 2016, Toronto has Austin Matthews. Do you take Dubois and two, do you take, do you take two of Dubois and Puyuyarvi and, and Ulevi? No. Maybe you take Matthew Kachuk in there, but even then, no. Clayton Keller, no. Yeah, just no. I don't think that trade happens. Even if it's Dubois, Kachuk, I don't think so. I think Austin Matthews is that good. Um... Obviously, with Connor McDavid, are you going to take Mitchell Marner and and Noah Hannafin or Dylan Strome? No, so screw it. Never mind. 
Uh, Aaron Ekblad. Would you trade Aaron Ekblad for two of of Leon Dreisaitl, Sam Bennett, Michael Dalcole? Probably. But this is also why you might be a little bit wary of drafting defensemen really, really high, especially big physical defensemen. But that might also be a little unfair because Ekblad has had injury problems and that kind of holds him back a bit. But, I mean, if I had the chance to trade Aaron, Aaron Ekblad for Leon Dreisaitl and, I don't know, Sam Bennett or William Nylander, then yeah, I'd probably make that trade. Um, but, yeah, so I guess what we're getting at here, like Nathan McKinnon, do you trade Nathan McKinnon for Elias Lindholm and Seth Jones? Probably not. Uh, I don't know, take someone else out of here. Max Domi, Bo Horvat, Bo Horvat and Seth Jones? Probably not. For Nathan McKinnon? I don't think so. So more often than not, the answer to that question is no. It's not worth trading three and five to trade up to number one overall. I think this year that also is the case. Like, the Ottawa Senators could get two cornerstone players in one draft after losing the chance to take a cornerstone player last year. I don't know why you trade both of those to add more on the wings when you could land yourself potentially two centers that could be your one-two for the next decade. I don't know why Ottawa would offer that. Um, and I, I, I mean, I like Lafreniere a lot, but it's not so much about player value, but it's about if Ottawa pulls the trigger on that deal, I would never offer it if I'm Ottawa. Like usually when you see first overall picks get dealt, it's like second round picks. Um, that's really it. Oh, and there we go. Nahi, do you foresee Colin White as a long-term solution first-line center on the Sens? No, because they're probably going to get at least one really good center this year. If they get Byfield at three and Rossi at five, which would probably be my scenario one, then I'm laughing. Even if Marco Rossi doesn't quite hit his ceiling, who cares? You got Quentin Byfield, in my view. You might need to be patient with him, you definitely don't want to try to make Quinton Byfield into a big, scary, mean guy because that's not what he is. But if you if you do it right and focus on his offense and his transitions and his puck control and and just how scary of an offensive player he could be, that would be an interesting that would be an interesting thing. Um, Colin White, I don't see as the long term first first line center there for sure. If he what, I, I just don't see it. Logan Brown is another guy that they have that can play center that I think could be a really good fit. But like if your top three centers long term are 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 say Byfield, Rossi, and and Brown, that's not so bad. Maybe add another one in there and push Brown to the fourth. I don't know, or push him to the wing. Who cares? You're laughing. The Sens have a lot of options, and I doubt they're gonna trade him. Or I doubt they're gonna trade those two picks at all. I they'd be nuts. Uh, does Byfield's performance at the top prospects game concern you even a little bit? No. Uh, yeah, the first round, the first overall pick likely never gets traded. You never see it. And usually it's for a lot less than you think because it's maneuvering around the top three and Brian Burke's not a GM anymore. Um, all right, guys. Uh, last question. Okay. Thoughts on Montreal set up for the near future. I think they're going to be just fine. In short, they got a lot of young players coming and some of their young players that are entering the team now are hitting the ground running. I mean, Nick Suzuki, I'm there for you, buddy. Um, but yeah, uh, that's going to be it for tonight, guys. I'm going to go watch the Canucks. Um, I mean, it would be nice to see the Canucks win because I like seeing Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson win hockey games. 
Um, and Brock Besser too, I guess, but mostly Elias Pettersson with Quinn Hughes ever so slightly behind him. Um, and also like, it's not so much fun when the same team wins multiple years in a row. Uh, and also, uh, David Perron's being kind of a jerk and, uh, I want to see him lose even though he's very good, but I still want to see him lose because he's being a jerk. Anyway, uh, have a good night guys. Have a solid week. If you're a patron, look for two scouting reports by at worst Saturday. Uh, if you're a McKean subscriber, go watch the one that came out to yesterday. It'll be public tomorrow. If you're not, um, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of like a tagline here and I'm, I'm really, really, really trying hard. Um, just do the thing, go out and do your thing. Stay safe. You know, check yourself, (laughs) check yourself for ticks. Um, but that's going to be it for tonight. Thank you all for joining me. Um, if you're new here, you can check all the links to stuff that I do down below. Um, tons of fun stuff that you can get involved in. But anyway, I'm going to stop talking because I am tired and it is late and I want to see the Canucks play hockey. Have a lovely evening. Uh, stay tuned for lots of content.